airing the Addisons. Well, let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really do appreciate it. We mm-hmm. are fully aware of the fact that you could get your commentary on issues of the day from anywhere else. I mean, you have podcasts literally at like, you know, your fingertips, right? Everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's just everywhere. And you <laughs> can pick the topics you want to hear about. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you can really specialize um, what it is that you're putting in your ears. And so the fact that you tune in every day and it's like a box of chocolates, mm-hmm. you don't know what we're going to be talking about, um, means a lot. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for doing that. Um, I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. We'll open the phone lines uh, in the last segment. Uh, always good to interact with you on whatever the topic is going to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, today we're going to continue our discussion um, about Act 17 culture. Mm. Yesterday, if you were listening, we were um, using as a backdrop some comments from Tim Keller, which, by the way, so one of our listeners reached out and said, man, I, I listen to you guys and I agree like 90 to 95 percent of the time when you said Tim Keller, I cringed. Mm-hmm. We understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we understand. We understand. Let, let me just say this. Um, look, w- there are some some members of the body of Christ that we have had huge issues with over the years. Mm-hmm. OK, because they, you know, at least according to our perception, we felt were misleading in some of the ways that they communicated, you know, Christian liberty and things like that. Um, At least their adherents seemed to take what they were communicating and run headlong into Mm -hmm. a direction where Mm -hmm. we're like, wait a minute, you're touting that as your influencer (laughs) and Tim Keller would be one of those people. Okay. Just say it that way. And, um, and so I understand, you know, uh, when we got that message from one of our listeners, you know, (laughs) what can we say? We can't argue with you, but on this point, he was spot on. Yeah. On this point, he was spot on. And so we want to give him credit for that, right? Yeah. Sure. Our listeners like, no, no, we don't. (laughs) Anyways. um, So anyway, but it's always good to interact with our listeners to get that kind of feedback and and to know know where you're coming from. So that means that you are a watchman and you understand what's going on in the culture. Um, And so, so yeah, so we get that. But that was not to, you know. That, that was not to say that we, too, have not had some concerns about Tim Keller in the past. Right. Um, but again, his comments here about what is needed for the church, those comments were spot on. And so we wanted to use those comments as a backdrop to make the point that we've got to do something different than what we've been doing in discipling and training our kids and equipping them. And then also we wanted to tie in um, a reference to uh, Ken Ham's book, Gospel Reset, Salvation Made Relevant, and basically the book, I'm telling you, you, you'll you read it, you'll read it in a couple days. Some people who, God bless you, you know, your kids are really little, or your kids are out of the house, or your kids don't like you, you're going to read it in a day. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I, that's a, I'm it, sorry. It may. Your, your kids like you. 
Oh. Um, you're gonna you're gonna read it in a day. <laughs> Some people devour books. It's like Some people, my goodness, they can't get up until with they're this done. Book, it would be like child's play. Yeah. So I mean not is, the content, is, but you know. Reading. No, not the content. <laughs> but he gets straight to the point, Ken Ham does. Yeah, that's good. He gets straight to I, the point. I like point a guy and, like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can identify with him. Oh, good grief. Our kids our kids <laughs> love Ken Ham and they have uh, different things that they say, you know, when they hear there are certain buzzwords that they hear and they can tell what a person thinks about the creation account. Mm-hmm. And they will say things like, and Ken Ham is sitting over there looking like, what? You know, like if, if somebody, <laughs> right. somebody says something like, and billions of years ago, they're like, and Ken Ham, what? <laughs> <laughs> they they already are Johnny oh, on the spot, man. right? Uh, but anyway, this book is Gospel Reset. And again, I want to recommend it as a resource, even as we continue our conversation about the Act 17 culture hmm. that we're living in. If you did not listen yesterday or, you know, maybe you listen at the end of the week and kind of catch up. I, we hear from our listeners, so we know that some people listen that way. Um, I don't want you to be sort of out of the loop or wondering what's what's going on. So in this book, Gospel Reset, just as a kind of quick synopsis here, uh, what Ken Ham unpacks is that the culture that we are speaking to is not the culture that it once was. And for many of us, we think that we're speaking to an Acts 2 culture. Mm. The culture that Peter was speaking to at the, the the genesis of the church, right, where there were shared values and shared a shared understanding of who God is, what sin is, what is required for the as the payment of sin, you know, all of these things. And so in that context, the gospel uh, is is flourishing right from from the beginning, the foundation of the church. By the time we get to Acts 17, the Apostle Paul is dealing with a completely different audience. Right, right. Completely pagan. Okay, mm-hmm. God, what God? We got several of them. Pick one. Man. You know which one? Which one do you want to talk about? Uh, yeah. And go ahead. Will, no, I'm saying ahead. It's, and it's something I would consider. You know, the time, and I'm not. I, I don't consider myself as being old, but growing up, I would consider <laughs> Acts two to be the type of environment that I grew up in. I like would say the same thing. The people thing. around me, you know, they may not have been Christians, wow. but they were going to church. They were like, yep. they knew some things about the Bible and, you know, mm-hmm. had some kind of familiar uh, experience with me as that, mm-hmm. as far as that is concerned, whether they would be t- been t- have been taken by their grandparents or their mom, mm-hmm. whoever, they had been in church, <laughs> you know. But now I think we're dealing with Acts 17 for sure. Man, that is man. That's that's, that's that is that, an that excellent ago. point to ponder <laughs> because it's not that long ago. We're talking about a little over four decades, right? Where mm-hmm. you have an Acts two type culture that is um, immediately understood. People know who you're talking about right. when you talk about God. Right. They know what you're talking about when you talk about sin. For example, yeah. Um, if I were to say, you know, and and this is gonna kind of like set up where we're gonna go. We have one article here. That looks at some information coming from Pew Research, everybody. Uh oh. Just putting us on blast here. What the <laughs> what the Christians believe about human sexuality. Now well, goodness. Let me say this, okay, and then I'll go back to the, the reference I was just about to make. Mm-hmm. Um the Christians, okay, keep we keep we seem to be losing. All right. We seem to be losing and yet still bearing the name Christian. Mm. All right. So not wanting to give that up, but but wanting to very much live, you know, as a part of a pagan culture seems Mm. to be what we're doing here on a regular basis. And so 
It's quite concerning. It's quite concerning. But it also is something that we have to talk about. When Christians tend to hear, you know, the Bible lays out and defines for us sexual identity and human sexuality, they automatically think you mean homosexuality and transgenderism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Journey with me into a world. Well, that's not what we mean. (laughs) We mean all of it. (laughs) Okay. We mean all of it. All right. And the Bible means all of it. So that's why we mean all of it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where people are like, oh, well, that's not my sin. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about that. And yeah, you tell them, you tell them what the Bible says. But it's like, no, the Bible tells us what the Bible says. All Man. of us, every, every single one of us. You know, we say get in line. You remember stand at the meat market, take a number from that right. little red thing, <laughs> little you know, th- grab yeah. that little ticket <laughs> and stand there and wait because your number <laughs> will be called. There's none of us Man. who is righteous. <laughs> no, and, not one. And you're so right about that. You know, when we talk about sexual immorality today that's what automatically comes yeah. to mind you know and we yeah. don't think of you know fornication and yeah. <laughs> you know things like that is yeah. is always like you know homosexuality and it's siblings genderism yeah look it's it's siblings who who are sitting back and watching the other sibling getting uh, get in trouble mm. they're just they're like you know <laughs> right. we say they're chilling like, in the ooh, cut because they're like ooh, ooh ah you got oh man yeah you really disappointed <laughs> mom and dad oh, and they're kind of like they don't want to gloat over it mm-hmm. but they're like well you know at least it's not me mm. <laughs> it's not me you know and then the parents say and then and then you call their name you <laughs> right. get in here right. and you're like wait whoa what right. what happened it's come to my attention attention that you too are a participant and so look that's the bible has something for every one of us <laughs> yeah not just, not just the verses that make you want to run and shout you know what i mean exactly. but also the verses that make you hang your head and say wow such such were some of us right. right right like we we are included in these lists that we like to often sort of recite for other people we are not only included but we are bound by the prescription that the bible offers and the you, Bible you, offers a prescription. And, okay, and, go ahead. and another thing that's strange about that is when we're talking about, you know, sexual immorality, it's the things like fornication or even watching things that you shouldn't yeah. uh, watch that lead to the things that we think are so big now, like the, you know, yeah. homosexuality. You know, you know, the doors mm-hmm. are open when the church does not preach, you know, uh, the word the of God concerning of, of God's word. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. That's sexuality right. in general. You know, when there are little things that people get to keep. You understand it's sort of it 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 grows into right. a monster that you cannot keep right? right that you you cannot just you know we talked about lawlessness, but all the things that are like it, right all of exactly. those things that the Bible lays down a prescription for and that the Bible condemns all of those things if we try to keep one thing as a pet, all of those things are attached to it, right, right. and the like yeah. okay yeah uh, as is laid out in Galatians right so Getting back to talking about the difference between this Acts 2 culture where there was a shared understanding at one point in America, there was a shared understanding that, okay, if somebody said, man, we want to be that city on a hill, people automatically understood what that <laughs> what right, that meant. Right. You know, um, I could go off on a tangent about how that notion has declined, but it, it also reflects uh, that we have forgotten God in our country. We don't know who the Lord is. And so to that point, it w- put us more in a category of uh, Acts chapter 17, as Ken Ham describes it in his book. And I cannot recommend it enough. I really, I hope that our listeners will, um, as you usually, you know, add to cart. I hope that you'll, (laughs) I hope that you'll add this book to cart. It's really eye opening. But um, this Pew Research study is out. And I was thinking about what you were saying earlier, Willie Great, and you're talking about how, you know, you don't think of yourself as being 
all that old, really just to show the the difference or how quickly yeah. our culture has declined. But for our generation, which we are sandwiched between the millennials and the boomers. Mm. So we're generation X, mm-hmm. sort of like the bridge, right? Is that is that what you would consider yourself? Yes, yes. That's what I consider myself too. I know that there are different dates that you can look at and say that it's kind of cut off, but I, I feel more like a young Gen Xer than I do a millennial. Mm. Um, okay. Because I talk to millennials and I realize that we are different, that we don't <laughs> have the same types of experiences. So anyways, but there was a time where you could say a person is shacking up and we knew what that meant, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we also knew that it carried with it a certain amount of shame and something that was like like frowned upon, right? Like we said, that's wrong. Yeah. That's immoral. Right. We said, that is sin. Right. And everybody ag- agreed. Everybody like, agreed. Every, like, every, like, yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, <laughs> no right? Lies. Nobody like would challenge you on that. Right. We do not live in that culture anymore. But what's scarier, I think, in some regards, is that we don't have that. Now, listen, <laughs> and I don't say this lightly. We don't have that in our church culture anymore. Mm. There are certain things that will not be preached on from the pulpit simply because there are members of the congregation who are tangled up in them. Mm. And if they were to be preached on, it would come off as unloving, Mm. judgmental, critical. You understand? And we can't have any of that because what if people don't come back? (laughs) Well, what if they stay but are on their way to hell. I think that's Come the bigger on. question. Come on. Like what? I mean, you know, we, we've got, well, Man. it depends on how you look at it, right? Like if you love, if you really love people, right. The bigger question is what if they stay, but are on their way to hell? Like they, they have made decisions that reflect. They don't have the knowledge of God. They don't know who he is. Right. So how do we consider? And for lack of a better expression, How do we consider our fellowships and our congregations a success when people are on padded pews to destruction? Hmm. That's not a success. That's a failing church. (laughs) But we often think numerically. We have 17 services over the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Full of people that's going to. So what? So what? Mm -hmm. That's not a success. We have to start measuring success if you will the way the lord measures success yeah all right we're going to take a look at this pew study when we get back aaron the addison's american family radio please stay right there our father which art in heaven Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's the Walls Group with The Prayer. We appreciate Sherry B. over in Studio CC. We will open the phone lines up in the next segment. Keep listening for that. Uh, We are continuing our discussion, kind of carrying over from yesterday, looking specifically now at what uh, gives the indication that we are living in an Acts 17 culture. 
Um, this is one aspect of that. So don't be surprised if tomorrow we don't jump back in here with another illustration of Act 17 culture. Now, again, let me say this as well. Mm -hmm. We're talking in terms of two different types of environments because we're talking about the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that many Bible believing Christians will understand what I mean when I say the world, at least you'll understand how to define that because you read the Bible. And so those are biblical terms, the world mm -hmm. versus the kingdom of God. Right. right. So remember, the Apostle Paul told the Colossians, you have been brought from the domain of darkness right into God's light, like into the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about two different worlds. All right. Um, so today, for the sake of discussion, we are looking at, yes, the world mm -hmm. and what the world thinks about sin, so to mm -hmm, speak, mm -hmm. uh, as we're defining an Act 17 culture. But what is more concerning mm -hmm. for me is that when we describe what is supposed to be members of the body of Christ, yes. meaning a part of the kingdom. Yes. Okay. They also are an Act 17 type culture. Yeah. Which, and, and you know, something that, that something God. about this, you know, when you think I'm thinking back to childhood, childhood again, uh -huh. when you, when we're talking about the world, that was a way that the world even acted towards the church that's different now. Like there's certain things that people who were of the world mm -hmm. wouldn't do. Yes. In even the presence of a Christian or even right. passing by a church. Wow. <laughs> that's right. You know, it, it's, it's amazing right. to, to see how far hmm. that has, has gone. You know? And and let me tell you something. And here's <laughs> something that I think is left unexplored by many Christians that decline that you're talking about when the lack of respect, right? Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's basically what, if we, if we yeah. could just summarize yeah. that, it is a lack of respect that has been driven um, by Christians. Mm. Christians have caused that lack of respect. It's not the world. Come I mean, on. yes, there is yes. absolutely the component of increasing wickedness, mm -hmm. but Christians have said, oh, no, don't, tr no, don't, don't, no, we're just like you. Right. No. Don't do that. Please or don't do that. have given occasion for the world to blaspheme. Like exactly. in, our, in our actions, in our practices. That's right. <laughs> and to say, we don't need to respect them. Mm -hmm. What They right. don't have anything like that us. we don't have. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like that, they're just Man. like us. And so, so we have to, we can't, we don't just look at it and say, it's been a, a secular decline that has, has led to this. It's right. been decline in the church. And Man. I know people are like, man, are they always beating up on the church? No, no, not at all. But we're very sober about what is happening That's right. so that you can do these regular self-checks. Right. Right. And say, OK, have I really crossed over from death to life? Hmm. Am I truly a part of the kingdom or or am I just thinking that I'm a nugget because I'm in the lobby of like, you know, <laughs> a, a chicken joint? You know what I'm saying? Like you're not, right. you know, we used to do these skits. I get off track. I'm going to not go. Let me, let's get to <laughs> bring it Man. back. Give my I need uh, to fishing bring it pole. Back. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, you got to be quicker than that. Be okay. <laughs> Here we go. Here is the article again from the Christian Post as they're looking at this Pew Research study that is out. Half of U.S. Christians say sex is sometimes or always okay in a dating relationship. Hmm. Half of U.S. Christians. Now, again, in your mind, what you have to do is you have to go, wait a minute. Okay, not just Americans. We're talking Christians, people who identify as followers of Christ. Yeah. Okay, that's what we're talking about. So so here, here we go. Let's, let's read this and then have a conversation around it, which is what we like to do. Um, because I think for some people, this, for some Christians, it is quite likely that this will be the first time that you ever hear a discussion where someone says sex 
outside of marriage is immoral. It is wrong. It is sinful. It is condemned by the word of God. That's right. Now, some people are going to say, well, I disagree with that. Okay. To, to your own demise. <laughs> like that's not, that's not an opinion right. coming from Will and Miki. Right. right. This is as a Christian, here is what the Bible condemns. The Bible. This is what we submit to. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right, let's just dig in. Here we go. Half of Christians say sex between consenting adults who are in a committed dating relationship is sometimes or always acceptable. And over half with the exception of evangelical Protestants say that casual sex is okay, according (laughs) to a survey by the Pew Research Center. Some 62% of Catholics, 56% of Protestants in the historically black tradition. Come on, man. What y'all doing? Come on, man. man. We we could be outside on this one and go in, but I'm going to hold back. Just just get through the information. We could step outside and then go in on that. All right. Um, all right, here we go. 56% of Protestants in the historically black tradition, 54% of mainline Protestants, and 36% of evangelical Protestants, 36% of evangelical Protestants, listen, say casual sex between consenting adults is sometimes or always acceptable. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just whatever, just whatever. Now, again, we're talking Acts 17. Right now, the people in Acts chapter two would have been like, oh, clutching their pearls. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, if they had, them. you know what I'm saying? Clutching. Their, oh, I can't believe. Right. But Acts 17 is like, I'm sorry, I don't see your problem. Right. Like, what's, what's wrong, your problem? What's wrong with you? Why are you upset about that? Exactly. Right. OK, that's that's Acts 17 voice. <laughs> I'm unbothered. Officially, <laughs> officially unbothered. They would say to me, read, like, just keep going, you know, just keep going. All right. So now. Just so that you're clear on this, this is something that Pew Research does. They want to make sure that you understand the people responding to this survey are not being asked whether or not they engage in these practices. They Mm -hmm. are being asked if they think these practices are okay, Mm -hmm. are acceptable. Okay. 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 So that's important to note, but, but just let's, let's understand that. All right. Now, this is whether or not to the question, whether or not. Sex outside of marriage is acceptable sometimes or always if a person is in a committed relationship. So if that's your boyfriend, that's your girlfriend, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Or as the world commonly says these days, my significant other. (laughs) Can I just... (laughs) (laughs) Now, I understand... (laughs) No, I don't. I'm trying to be nice. I, but look, I, I mean, you know, I don't care. Um, if they're that significant, marry them. Right. Come on, man. Like, like, like seriously, if, if they're agree. that significant, marry them. Because yes. then it's going to change to spouse. Right. Don't let the world trick you into using these terms, guys. Like that, that try to move us away from God's standard. They're very subtle, but they're doing the same thing. They're moving us away from the standard of God and they are normalizing that couples exist in relationships where those relationships are not sanctioned by God. God has not ordained that. And we just get used to it. So we say those things very casually and very freely, right? Yeah. You know, his significant other, I'm sorry, his spouse. No, they're not married. Then she's not significant. 
<laughs> she doesn't matter to him. <laughs> right. That's, so, so that's a misnomer. You're not significant. If you were significant, he would marry you. Amen. If he does not, you're not significant. I'll just wait a second just to let that take root because because we need to be able to talk straightforwardly about that. Right. Our culture is normalizing sin and the church, by extension, is normalizing sin because the church wants to be like the world instead of being set apart as the Lord intended. So we have significant others among us in the church and we just we just allow it like as if the Bible doesn't speak to this. So here we go. In a relationship, the Pew Research Center describes this, okay, 57% of Christians say it's sometimes or always acceptable. That includes 67% of mainline Protestants, 64% of Catholics, 57% and inches up one percentage point of Protestants in the historically black tradition, and 46%, 46% of evangelical Protestants say that sex before marriage is sometimes or always acceptable if you're in a committed relationship. Mm-hmm. We need to read our Bibles, people. I think there's a lack of of reading going on. What is what is the commitment if it's not marriage? There's that's not a commitment. Right. That's not again, this the this is where we take these terms from the world and we just say well, we know you guys, okay, you've given us this definition and we know that you mean well, so we'll just use it. So we say things like they're in a committed relationship. That's not a commitment. Right. If they are not married, they have not made a commitment. Right. They have not stood before the Lord. They have not said, I commit myself. There's no, there's no agreement here. Well, maybe that's all there is, is just an agreement. Hey, we'll live together. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Which again does not define you as significant. If you're the man in the relationship and you want to be married, but she's just not sure you're not significant. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry. That's not funny. Right. Mm. Cause these are people's lives and emotions, but we have normalized mediocrity. And we live in a time of of feelings. I feel like I want to do whatever I want to do. I I mean, yeah, I'm a Christian, but man, I have feelings. I have, right. you know, desires, and you know, it's like it's we're so, living in that time. You know, the Bible. Yeah, I know. Some people may even know, like, I know the mm-hmm. Bible says that. But that was man. But today is different. So, you know, that's really interesting that you mentioned feelings, because that is something that the Apostle Paul tackles with the Corinthians. Remember this like debaucherous bunch um, <laughs> with <laughs> with the Corinthians and, and all of the things that they've got going on. Mm-hmm. Well, among them is sexual immorality. Right. And right. and we know this from first Corinthians chapter five. We know this in first Corinthians chapter seven. But there is something interesting that the Apostle Paul lays out in first Corinthians chapter seven that actually deals with this notion, this idea of feelings. Right. And, and certain needs and urges that our culture says you should not suppress that. That's what our culture says. Mm-hmm. Our culture says do what you want. Do what you want. You know, y- your feelings are not bad. Go with your feelings. Right. But it's interesting that the Apostle Paul's response to this in 1 Corinthians 7 actually shows, well, 1 Corinthians 5 shows that there are categories of sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 7 actually then shows that the remedy for people's penchant, okay, Mm -hmm. for sexual immorality is marriage. (laughs) So now you can dodge it if you want. You can, you know, you can, you could dodgeball it. 
and say, well, the Bible doesn't specifically say that sex outside of marriage is sin. But the Apostle Paul defines it as sexual immorality going so far as to state flatly, if you can't control yourself, Mm -hmm. your sexual immorality, then you need to marry. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse one says now concerning the matters about which you wrote. So in other words, people had some questions, right? Like, you know, is it wrong? They were curious about this. Just be like, what's, what's going sleeping on around. Like, yeah. I, is that, I is that a somewhere. problem? <laughs> we right. don't know. Right. Okay. We want to honor God, but we just don't know. So we, okay. So now in, in regards to this question, <laughs> the apostle Paul writes, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, now it's got a definition there. Mm-hmm. These relations. So now it's not just, oh, yeah, but Paul was saying no sex with a woman. Nope. But listen, look at how he defines it now. Because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife <laughs> and each woman her own husband. Yeah. There it so is. So what's the context there? So so the remedy for your urges, okay, your penchant for sexual immorality, Corinthians, is marriage. Hebrews chapter 13, verses four, verses three and four, will lay out for us how honorable marriage is and that the marriage bed is undefiled. So there is a difference, right? It's not, it's not well, we have an agreement and we live together. Right. And we call it marriage. It must be a thing. There must be something that shows, nope, we have made a vow. We have made a commitment. We have stood before the Lord or however the ceremony happened. We are married. (laughs) Right. But today in Acts 17 culture, we don't see that. (laughs) We don't talk about it. Now, let me let me also say this in in Acts chapter. uh, I'm sorry. First Corinthians chapter five. We really like to 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 speed through as as we read chapter five. We're really just headed to chapter six because we want to condemn homosexuals. I mean, we, we, you know, five becomes one of those things where we say, well, I, you know, I'd never have to worry about that mm-hmm. because I, we're not going to have anybody <laughs> in our church where, you know, man is sleeping with the father's mother. Like, I mean, come on, you know, but there is something in there where the Apostle Paul is he is showing that there are different types of sexual immorality. Right. Because what does he say? He says in in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind. And of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. This harkens back to what we were talking about with Falwell. It's like, whoa, I mean, (laughs) even in the world, they would be like, oh, boy, you're wild. Like that's we don't we don't even I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So what we cannot do is pretend that the Bible only has a message for those who struggle with same-sex attraction or struggle with same-sex sexual activity. No, the Bible has something to say to heterosexuals who operate outside of God's parameters for sexual activity. Guys, look, our message will continue to fall on deaf ears if we only pick and choose what makes us upset in the culture. It's true. Come on, right? I mean, because we're sitting back and we're like, you know, well, well, my my daughter, you know, she's 17 and her and her little boyfriend have been together for three years. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Yeah, give away. Your seven, what? Your <laughs> 17-year-old daughter has been in a relationship with a boy for three years? I'm 
Aaron the Addisons, American Family Radio. We'll be back with one more what. So stay close. <laughs> Culture, X-17 culture, what does it look like to live in an X-17 culture? Of course, it looks like everything that is raging out there in the world, but also in the church. It might look like this Pew Research uh, survey that is out that suggests that in the church, among Christians, among professing Christians, 57% of Christians say that it is sometimes or always, sometimes or always acceptable to have sex before marriage if you're in a committed relationship. Mm. That's 67% of mainline Protestants, 64% of Catholics, 57% of Protestants in the historically black tradition, and 46% of evangelical Protestants saying that it's always or sometimes acceptable to engage in premarital sex if you are in a committed relationship, which I would suggest that if it is not marriage, that is there is no commitment there. Right. I agree. If you're not married you're not significant to the other. <laughs> okay, right. you're not. Right. You're just like, let's let's just call that what it is. Let me also say this. There are some people, and I'll give the number so that we can um, get the phone lines going here. Sherry B is over in Studio CC. Oh, by the way, I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that was uh, Jennifer Mecco with Great God. 888-589-8840 is the number to call if you want to engage with us. Uh, 888-589-8840. 8840 and Sherry B will take your calls, get you queued up and uh, then we can talk some more about this. But there are some people who will uh, be tempted to hide behind like culture, you know, in all of this and um, and say, well, you know, we just I was never taught that that was wrong. And so that's just not a part of my cultural construct. Um, they will put this in the category. I'm just telling you some of the things I've heard over the years. Mm-hmm. OK, I'm just telling you some of the things I've heard over the years. They will put this in the category of the white man's religion and his very buttoned up Christianity where he is sexually repressed. And so he has communicated that to all other cultures who wish to get in line. Hogwash. Right. Hogwash. Right. Which if you go back to the original Greek, it's hogwash. Right. <laughs> actually, on, it's it actually in the original Greek is hogwashusio. <laughs> because it, which which means to be oh, nonsense man. with which you wash a pig right it makes no sense <laughs> um that's not actually guys i'm just that's a joke that's not actually just a joke and i was joking um but but let me just let me let me put a nail in that coffin the the people who would seek to hide behind culture um remember the jerusalem council which is going to uh, predate your white man's Christianity, so right. to speak. I'm using my quotes. Y'all can't see them. But it, let's go back to the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15, where James, whose nickname was the Just, where James the Just, after hearing from the Apostle Peter, and remember, you've got Paul and Barnabas who are all here because what, what are they saying? They're saying that the Gentiles have got to become like the Jews. So it's a big council that they have, all mm-hmm. right? And what do they determine? So James is speaking here. This is Acts chapter 15, uh, and and... Well, here's what I'll do. I'll start at uh, 
Acts chapter 15, verse 13. After they, sp- they finished speaking, James replied, brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the, the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree just as it is written. And I'm going to jump down to verse 19. He says, therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality. (gasps) (gasps) Well, what kind, Mika? All of it. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) All of it. Sexual immorality becomes the blanket sort of catch all net. And then whatever your particular type is, that too. Yeah. Right. Okay. Abstain from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. All right. So, so there's no excuse that, well, my culture, I, we're not like that. We're just free and we just, you know, we're, I'm sorry. You don't, you don't have any biblical provision for that. Right. Guys. In Christ, things change. That's right. You that's know? right. The things that are not an affront to the holiness of God in your culture, you can keep. Mm-hmm. You can keep. But those things that are an offense to the Lord, those things for which Christ died. They have to go. That's right. Those things have to go. All right. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right. Let's go to Brian in Tennessee. Hi, Brian. Hey, Will. Hey, Nikki. Hey. Hello. Uh, enjoy your show. Get to listen to it a lot. I am a uh, bivocational pastor and a uh, home remodeler, and I listen to you when I can. Okay. Uh, Thank you. One thing I want you guys to uh, to consider when you talk about uh, the church a lot, mm-hmm. I'm a pastor, been a pastor since the early 90s, and I have confronted in the church those very um, Acts 17 culture that you, you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes uh, particular churches, man, they're all with me. And uh, there, it brings repentance to the people mm-hmm. that we confront with the truth. Mm-hmm. And we're so grateful to see the restoration there. But sometimes uh, there are apostate churches, mm. and uh, they, they're going to be synchronized with the world. Mm-hmm. And so maybe sometimes uh, in your conversations of saying the church, that's not the true church. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, it's the apostate church in disguise, incognito, as the true church. And That's so right. We should expect, uh, kind of like uh, uh, Abraham Hamilton, you know, he says the world's always going to, the world, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to do yeah. that. And uh, these false churches, mm-hmm. that's one way we know they're false is because they do not confront biblical injustices or biblical sins that's right that's one way we know so uh your comments i'll get off here thank you again for your time thank you well god bless you pastor brian we appreciate you and and the ministry that the lord has called you to but you're absolutely right there is a distinction that is to be made and Mm -hmm. the bible actually tells us that there's going to be a great falling away i will tell you i think it's more jolting it's more jolting for us to understand that when we say the church and there are many people who don't understand that there are people in their midst who are masquerading. Yeah. Right. So yeah. they just see it as the church. So we have to say, well, this is the church. This mm-hmm. is what we're looking for. 
So anything that falls outside of this, that is not the true church. So you're absolutely right. There is a distinction there that is to be made. I'll tell you what I think is more common than we realize, though, and and then we'll move on. I think it's more common than we realize that sprinkled among the true church, Mm -hmm. there are the tares. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's not just... Um, you know, kind of sectioned off in these neat little apostate churches. Right. It's people who are sitting in the pews right next to us as what appears to be a part of the true church, but in their heart, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're yeah. they're not. Yeah. So we have to be able to spot that. But I would agree with you 100% that there is the true church of God, the bride for whom Christ is coming back Amen. without a spot or a wrinkle. Right. And then there are those who, um, as, as John would say, went out from us cause they were never part of us, right? Mm-hmm. These false teachers that exist. And then there's a mixture of both, unfortunately. Yeah. And so the church has got to be trained and ready uh, to spot them. Well, the great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Patrick in Virginia. Hi, Patrick. Hi. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, uh, thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate your program. Uh, so I'm 59 years old. Um, I went through an unwanted divorce, uh, four years ago. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had sex for seven years. And sometimes I got mad at God that, uh, like the prodigal son being the good son that, uh, you know, I was, I got married when I was 25 and I was a virgin and mm-hmm. like, God, I didn't deserve this divorce. I didn't want it. And like, now I've had not had sex for seven years. And it's like, uh, uh you know, well, why, why not uh, have fun? Like the, the other son, the other mm. prodigal son. And I got to keep reminding myself that uh, purity matters to God. Purity matters. And true love waits. And uh, I'm being that Matthew 19, third category eunuch of, uh, you know, just uh, that obedience always brings blessing and disobedience brings punishment. So I'm just trying to be mm. faithful to God to, to wait. Amen. God bless you, Patrick. Yeah. Thank I you mean, so much for calling. Go ahead, Will the Great. No, I'm just going to say what he's saying is a real... Uh, situation you know um man so we we should pray for our brother patrick you know that god will continue to give him the strength and the, um uh to be able to endure because he's right yeah. you know obedience to god is is where it at where it where is that and you know as someone who's married you know someone would say well easy for you to say but yeah no i, I my heart goes out to, to patrick in a situation yeah. where it was something that he didn't want you know so this is something if you're hearing this Man, you know, let's pray for our, our brother Patrick. Yeah, amen. And I, I, I would just tack on to that. Um, the Bible doesn't call us to do what's easy. True. Amen. And amen. and 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 I would say in part, um, there is also the very real indication that this is why the Holy Spirit indwells us. Yeah. Right. Because amen. we are not called to do what is easy, or just easily executed in our own strength or by our sheer. Will yeah. we have to we have to be equipped by the Holy Spirit to be able to obey the Lord? Um, anyways, Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to uh, Melody in Texas. Hi, Melody. Hi, Mister Mrs. Addison. Hope Hello. the Hello. day finds you well. Yeah. Um, I have a question. I have been living with my significant other for uh, years now, and um, we started changing our lives better for God and everything. And we've really had that tug on our heart to get married, but we have a few things in the way. My question is, what do we do as believers when we're living together now, after all these years, Mm -hmm. do we move out until we can become married so that we're doing the right thing, Mm -hmm. you know, for God and showing our love and commitment and everything to Him? Or, I mean, it's just... 
I'm kind of confused on the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, okay. Let me say this, Melody. Let me just say yeah. this before before you give me too much information. And 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 then there's the real threat that I that I tread lightly because I don't want Melody in Texas to be mad at me. Uh, don't don't tell me anymore. Let me just tell you. Uh, yes, because here's the thing. Sin is serious to God. So if I am engaged in activity that is an affront to the cross, if I am living together with someone that I'm not married to and mm-hmm. I'm engaged in the type, the type of activity that the Lord expressly says, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God, then what I have to do is make the decision that aligns with that conviction, right? What does the Bible tell me to do? And again, this will go back to what I said just a second ago with Patrick. We're not, as Christians, what we're called to do is not easy. Right. It is not easy. Right. But let me tell you something. Your soul is worth packing up your things and finding a place until you guys mm-hmm. are in a truly committed relationship before the Lord, where you make a covenant before God and man. You, people who attend weddings, you're, you're witnesses. You, you're standing in agreement. You're supporting this, right? Yeah. You're saying yes and amen. And so until that happens, look, this is the tough work of being a disciple. This is the tough work of being a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know all of the situation. I don't know what that will mean for you or for him. But I will say this, Melody, if you are my sister in the Lord, if you have committed your life to Christ, I would be doing you a disservice to say, oh, no, the Lord understands. Just take your time and and you'll get there. No, I'm saying turn from your sin. Repent, because remember, our message is more than a challenge. (laughs) It's more than we're morally damaged. You should turn from your sin because he is coming again and eternity hangs in the balance. There is nothing that is worth your soul. No level of comfort. No love, no, no, no commitment, no romance. Okay. Outside of God's parameters, it's not worth your soul. So that, that the views and opinions expressed just now. Okay. That's all biblical. I mean, I was, I, that's what I wanted to say. You know, Will, like, but I felt like, I mean, I, is that going too far? I wanted to say they're biblical. expressed no. in the Bible. No. They're, yes. Look, they're, look Paul is writing to Paul is writing to a culture of people, the Corinthians, that are known for living these lives that are abhorrent to God. And why are they writing and asking him all these questions? Because they've been captured by the cross. They've come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now what they're trying to do is rid themselves of all of those things that resemble their prior life. So if you've crossed over from death to life, you got to live like you're alive. Live like you're alive. All right, let's try to squeeze in one more call. All right, let's go to Gary in Oklahoma. Hi, Gary. Hey, hey, guys. Hello. I'll make it real quick. I just wanted to make a comment. I listened to part of your show yesterday about when you was talking about kids and mm-hmm. all. And uh, I'm a baby boomer. I'm an older, older guy. And uh, what I want to say is you have to live the Christian walk in front of them mm. and teach them every day about God and who he is and we're made in his image mm-hmm. and that the Bible is the food for their soul Amen. And, and show them, you know, like you're teaching them to eat good food on the table and there's some foods that's not good. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't teach them that God's word is the good food for their soul, they're going to be feeding their soul with, with bad food 
in the world. Mm, Gary, you're, you're spot on. Yeah. You, you are. That you're is right. so accurate. It's so true. We are modeling before our children. Look, even in a discipleship relationship that you have, even if it's someone that's not your child, you are following Christ and you are modeling for that person how to do it based on what we see in the scriptures. Yeah. So thank you so much. We're out of time for today. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.